1980, the Thornhill family spent a year living in the village of Kamakui in the country of Sierra Leone, West Africa. 40 years later, you now have the opportunity to re-experience our family adventure through the vast number of letters written during our time there. The letters and commentary are by the original authors, Joan and Harry Thornhill. Each episode is released 40 years to the day after a letter was written. Perhaps you will be inspired to travel and fully experience new cultural adventures in an effort to become a better world citizen. We now invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next episode of Culture Experienced. This is a conversation with Joan and Harry for the June 29th diary entry that Dad, you wrote, and the last account that was written in Sierra Leone of our trip. You finish preparing things in Kamakwe and get a ride with the principal. Is that what you had planned prior to coming down, or was that were you planning on initially taking a lorry? I was planning on taking a lorry. I did not know Mr. Yansene was going to have to go down to Freetown. He was going to be taking his father to a doctor. So it really was just very, very fortunate that I was going to be able to get this ride. As the diary says, we really did stop several times for visiting people or doing other uh, chores, such as even going to the bank. Tell me about the interaction with Yamari. Very emotional. Yamari, in many ways, was like a daughter to us. And when I had gotten back to the house after going to breakfast at one of the missionaries' homes, she was in the house and standing behind the front door. And when we saw each other, we basically just started to both cry. We did hug goodbye. It was really very emotional. She's a wonderful woman, and we really hope for the best for uh, her, but we did not really know what was going to happen, although we thought one of the missionary nurses was going to hire her, and that would have been very good, and they did. Mom, how was her English by the time we left? Her English was still very weak. I think she picked up some from you boys and some from us. It's interesting because I think it was just heart to heart and eye to eye, face to face. We just knew what what was being said or what needed to be said. It's funny because I never really learned Limba, which was her language. Pasuri in the back was the one who did a lot of translating for us. So I'm not really sure if she picked up very much English. Well, I bring that up. You know, if people think back to 1980, the internet really didn't exist. And people might say, well, how, you know, how did you not stay in touch with Yamari or some of the, the people that were, you know, really close to us afterwards? Now, there were, we, we received letters and I know we stayed in touch with some of, certainly like Mary Jean, she came and actually stayed with us that summer. And probably to this day, you still know about what the Wesleyans do over there on occasion and, and some of those folks. But the nationals, the, the folks that actually lived there, you know, it's not like we sent letters to Yamari because she didn't really 
speak English and we had no real way of communicating that. And so, you know, as followers of the podcast know, we've subsequently know that she's still alive and, you know, through the miracle of cell phones and, and that stuff, we've been able to at least communicate our pictures and our thoughts to her. Just for some context of, you know, back in the early 80s, it was these letters that mm-hmm. took weeks to get back and forth, and the communication was vastly different. And following our time there, Sierra Leone went through a horrendous civil war, which lasted many years, and then they also had Ebola. So we were not sure that she or her sons had survived the civil war because they did have child soldiers that were drafted into the military on both sides. And so it was really wonderful to find out that she was still alive. But also during, after that time, we received letters from many of the students and were asking, of course, asking us for money to help them with this or that. But there was no way that we could really communicate with somebody there who would be trusted to give money to them or to handle what needed to be handled. And they had to buy the letters in order to send them, so that was money out of their pocket. It's a very complicated situation when it comes to communicating with people over there. And Dad, on your way down, you talk about a couple flat tires and a paycheck. Is this your last paycheck? Yes, this is my final paycheck from Sierra Leone. Do you remember how much it was? I do not. Okay. Um, who is Grandma Lou? Grandma Lou was with the Lutherans. But I have some of her recipes even. I remember she made this wonderful salad that had this wonderful dressing, and I, I remember that. She was, a, she was a very pretty woman, older woman, very friendly and open and welcomed us with like a grandmother's arms. She was just really, she was really wonderful and took care of us. And I think she in. was amazed yeah. that we had come not supported or connected with to anybody. any organization. Mm-hmm. You go into a little more detail that I had typhoid and was trying to obtain medicine and also went to the embassy. I think you were trying to talk with an embassy nurse. It was actually a Peace Corps nurse. Okay. That the office was not in the embassy itself. They had a separate office space in Freetown. What was our relationship with the embassy and I guess the U.S. government as we went over. Nowadays, you know, the State Department has a website and it'll tell you like different things. I I don't know, you know, 1980, we were probably among a relatively small handful of Americans in Sierra Leone. You know, do you recall much interaction with U.S. government officials? I don't think we had any. I think maybe we had to have a passport stamped or something of that nature. But beyond that, I don't think we had any real dealings with them. Probably if we had some kind of dealings, they would have wondered who was going to be oversight for us. (laughs) But no, we didn't have any. I guess finally we go to see a movie to occupy some time. I think I remember some of that. If I recall, the uh, movie theater was a bit sketchy. The Nationals sat downstairs. Foreigners, generally speaking, sat upstairs. The downstairs tickets were cheaper, so therefore we sat downstairs with the Nationals. And I think they were surprised to see 
a, an American family sitting down with them. We were separated. It was the blacks were downstairs and the whites were upstairs, although we intermingled. Well, I think that's good for this last diary entry. The next and last and final episode will be on July 3rd, which is the day we go home. So on to the diary entry. Diary entry written Monday, June 29th. We are now all in Freetown at the Beach House. We have all been here since last Thursday, the 25th. Wednesday evening, I ate at the Eilers. Abraham came by for a letter of recommendation. I wrote out a letter for him. I tried to see Mr. Yansene, but he was not at home. I heard his car pull in around 10, so went down again. He told me that he is going to Freetown on Thursday and that I could get a ride with him. He has to bring his father to the doctor. It was great as I would have had to have taken the lorry. Thursday morning, I ate breakfast with the Eilers. Ya-Marie came while I was still eating. I had given her a key, and when I returned to the house, she was standing behind the living room door, and we both started crying. She is such a wonderful person, and we are going to miss her very much. Bill Wiesner stopped by and a few of the students. I had the students carry my bags over to the school office where I was to meet Mr. Yansene. I did get to say goodbye to all of the teachers. We did not leave comically until almost 11 a.m. We were to have left at 9. Mr. Cardbo, the vice principal, also came along to go to the bank in McKinney to collect the teacher's salaries. We stopped several times along the way for Mr. Yansene to greet. We also had a flat tire. We stopped at the Kimball's for me to drop off medicine and to pick up some books for Susan in Freetown. We got to the Lorry Park in McKinney and had a second flat tire. Mr. Cargbo and I walked to the bank at 1.15. The bank closed at 1.30. We did get inside before they closed the doors. The vice principal was able to get the salaries, and I was able to be paid. We left McKinney about 3 and arrived in Freetown a little after 6. We again made a couple of stops. Mr. Yansene drove me right into the center of town in front of the post office so that I could get a taxi to bring me out to the Texu office. At Texu, I paid Grandma Lou the money that I owed for the beach house and gave her the mail that was to go to Freetown and for a box for Susan. Grandma Lou drove me out to the beach house as she had done for Joan and the boys earlier in the day. We arrived just about seven, and the boys were just finished swimming. We got the beach house on Thursday as someone canceled at the last minute. Joan and the boys were staying at the Baptist house very near Grandma Lou's. On Wednesday evening, they had walked over to see her and ended up going to the movie Cheaper by the Dozen at the American Embassy. The beach house only costs us four leones a night, 
it's only 48 leones for the whole week. We would have spent at least that for one night at a hotel. And this is right on the beach. Friday was a beautiful day, sunny and warm. We spent a good part of the day at the beach, but came out in the middle of the day to get out of the sun. During that time, Kyle and I walked into Goodrich and bought two large fish, plus some other groceries. Fode, the watchman, cleaned them for us, and they were very good. Joan fried them. Grandma Lou came out again with a message that Ross was to take double the medicine for the first week. She stayed and visited for about an hour. She is to come to dinner on Tuesday evening. Saturday morning, we rode into the city with the wife of the people staying upstairs. I forgot their last name, but they are Paul and Mary, and they have three children. They are with Christian Extension Services, a Christian Reformed group. They are very nice. They have been in Nigeria for several years. Anyway, we did some grocery shopping and sent the food back with Mary so that we did not have to carry it around town. We picked up Ross's lab test, blood, urine, and stool. It confirmed the typhoid. We went to the Peace Corps office to try and see their doctor, but he was not in. The nurse wasn't there either, but she was to return later, so we said that we would return later also. We did some shopping, two more tie-dye shirts, this time for the Garrow girls. We also had an ice cream at Big Boys. Mark also bought a few more stamps. We got back to the Peace Corps office, but the nurse was still out, but this time we waited for her. She did not have the medicine that we needed, but she did give us a letter so that we could buy it at City Pharmacy. We then had lunch at the Rooster, that very good chicken place we have been to before. We went to the Scripture Union office, and they sent someone with us to the hospital to see Rose Nyamiki, Mary Jean's friend, who had spent Christmas with us. Rose had been a very bad car accident about a month ago. She is somewhat better, but has a huge scar across the top of her face. We then bought some bread at the Red Lion Bake Shop. We were going to go to the football game, soccer, but it looked like rain. The movie had a matinee, The Golden Needle, and Abba. We went. The first was very poor James Bond type thing. The second was Abba on tour in Australia. We really enjoyed that one. It was pouring rain when we came out, so took a taxi back to the beach house. Sunday, we did not go anywhere. We had our own church service here at the house. The sun came out a couple of times and we went swimming. The people downstairs went to Tobey Beach. They said it was very beautiful, but they had 60 Leons stolen. They also lost a face mass in the water that belonged to a Peace Corps friend of theirs. The people downstairs left this morning. Joan cleaned their apartment, although very little needed to be done. We did that so Grandma Lou would not have to come out again yesterday. We went swimming in the morning, but then it started to rain. Mark and I walked to Goodrich again. 
We did not buy any more fish, but we did get some eggs and bread and a few other items. It cleared up by the middle of the afternoon and we went swimming one more time. We had dinner about five and then went back to the beach for another hour. The ocean was quite rough today, so we had to keep a real eye out on the kids, especially Ross. It does rain on and off all the time now. Freetown, rainy season. We have been very lucky so far to get to the beach as much as we have. People are to come to the downstairs tonight. They are flying in today, so it may be late before they get here. We have the key. We are hoping that they will have some 20 or $30 in U.S. money that they would be willing to sell us. We would like to have it for Liberia and for the plane if the kids want to buy earphones or something like that. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Culture Experienced. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss new episodes. Join us at cultureexperienced.com for our blog and follow and like us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. So please drop us a note at info at cultureexperienced.com. Thank you for listening.